I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic Magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Listen, they're not all going to be pretty. They're not all going to be blowouts where Gardner Minshew's in in the fourth quarter and the game's over by halftime. Sometimes you win a little, little ugly. I think that that is uh, relevant to today. Eagles beat the Bears 25-20. And maybe the important thing is this team is 13-1. The Cowboys lose. I mean, you got to watch the, the Patriots, Bill Belichick, situational football. You got to finish off your 4 o'clock games by watching that. So I think overall, Benny Soul's a, uh, a good day for Eagles fans, I would say. Yeah, it, a sweaty day. There was a there were a few moments there. It was like, okay, let's let's not do this. Let's not do we lose to the three win bears in on Soldier Field for no reason in December. But they handled business uh, in a consummate way. Like it was a, it was a good reminder after two dominant offensive performances, incredible hurts games that they can just kind of gut it out, right? We talked about this a lot early in the season when they were undefeated, when they had those incredible games. It was, what's this team going to look like when their nose was bloodied? Well, like, you know, Justin Fields did what Justin Fields does. He's a one-man dynamite stick. Unbelievable the way he generates offense. And the Eagles took the blows, dealt with the bad turnover luck, right? Three turnovers to Bears, no turnovers, just got their sacks, got their pressure, stuck to their game plan eventually, connected on a downfield shot, got a turnover of their own, able to take control of the game. Uh, and so kudos to that. Uh, and then finally, after giving up a bear touchdown and letting one score, uh, the running game, you know, salt, salt the clock away, control the clock down and, uh, and bring home a victory. So ugly win, but a good reminder that they, they can do that ugly win. Just, yeah, a good day at the end of the day. There was a point there in the middle of the day when it was 27 to 10 Cowboys over Jags and like 17 to 13 Eagles Bears where you're wondering if it's going to be a good day or not. 
I, I was wondering, I was like, oh, baby, that Christmas Eve game is looking like if this goes that way, that Christmas mm-hmm. Eve game is going to be huge. And as it turns out, it might not be huge. By the way, that's Ben the, uh, Solak. I'm Shield Kapadia. Oh, we didn't say our names. Yeah. I told Ben before, there's something going around the Kapadia household. So I don't know if the words are going to come out correctly here. I don't know if I'm going to be coughing or blowing my air, uh, blowing my nose. See, I said blowing my air. It doesn't make any sense. This is going to be an incoherent podcast. But sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah. No, I was going to say uh, the. Uh, the Eagles Cowboys next three games now, in terms of the division, from what I can understand from like clicking through on 538, the only way the Eagles lose the division is if they lose out and the Cowboys win out. It's the only way. As long as the Cowboys lose one of their next three, doesn't matter which one, or the Eagles win one of their next three, doesn't matter which one, Eagles have locked up the NFC uh, East. Obviously, the conference would be a much better positioning if the Colts could finish the job and by finish the job I mean carry a 33 point lead the rest of the way um but that's you know the, the Eagles are still very much in control for that buy as well they're like over 80 85 percent uh to get the first round buy but at this point like it's it's over 99 percent chance to win the East which is the first round buy there's only one it's huge uh the ability to set home playoff games enormous especially because like the the number of stadiums for which home field matters is dwindling Link is still one of them in a very big way especially come playoff time so uh uh Kudos to the Eagles for handling their business. 13-1 is nothing to sneeze at. This team could be exactly as good of a team as they are and be like 11-3, and three, and it would still have to matter. But they finish games. They come out with wins, and that's going to position them so very well for an NFC playoff picture that like week in, week out is looking a little bit easier. See yeah. a little, little, little more gaps than the other teams. It's a good feeling. Yeah, a couple things on these scenarios. NFC East is very simple. They're 13 and 1. The Cowboys are 10 and 4. So, like you said, they've got a three game lead. They would need to lose their remaining three games. The Cowboys would need to win the remaining three games, including next weekend against the Eagles, for the Eagles to lose the NFC East. Uh, What are are we willing to do if that uh, scenario uh, happens? I'm I'm trying to think. I already did the thing about if they draft a running back. Uh, I'll think about it or give us suggestions for something to do. I don't think that's going to happen. feel very confident even if it's uh Gardner Minshew and Kenny Gainwell and Quez Watkins playing that they could win one of those final two games uh and they would still win the division I will purchase and wear a pair of jeans in the event the Eagles oh, lose I those like three that. games and the Cowboys win those three games at Super Bowl media week you will see me in jeans how about a pair that Cliff and I get to choo- choose the pair of jeans? You get to choose the size. We get to choose the style. <laughs> this now seems like incentive for you. It seems like you are going to now be rooting for this to occur. The point is for us to be like, wow, so ludicrous. We would do this very embarrassing okay, right, thing. You're trying to fine. hop on the train here. Absolutely right. not. All right. that's. I like that. Yeah, you will. I like that. You will wear a pair. You will buy a pair of jeans, wear a pair of jeans, maybe I'll make tweet sure out that a photo of yourself in yeah, jeans. Yeah, embarrassing jeans. I'll make sure okay. that they are their uh, statement I will. I will tweet out a link uh, of my an- my bare ankles, uh, free of charge. Not any. Yes. Not on any of those weird sites. Just on Twitter, you'll get to see my uh, bare ankles there. If the Eagles don't win the NFC East, uh, like you said, the one seed much more important. And oh baby, this team is in great shape for the one seed. Here's all they need to do: all they need to do is win one of their last three games, and they are the one seed. In the NFC, that's literally all they need to do. They can lose to the Cowboys. They can even lose to the Saints if they want to make it interesting and then beat the Giants in Week 18. There are other ways they can actually still win it, even if they go 0-3. But all you need to know is if they win one more game, they are the one seed in the NFC. They have the bye, and the road to the Super Bowl in the NFC goes through the link just as it did in 2017. So that is really the huge 
headline here as the Eagles win and the Cowboys lose is that you're going to be hosting uh, every game in the NFC. You're going to have a bye in the first round, barring something completely wild happening. Uh, ben wearing jeans, me tweeting out photos of my ankles. All right. So they're right where they want to be. I mean, if you were, think of, just think about when we first started this podcast in uh, September, August, whatever it was, if we said, hey, after that week 15 game at Chicago, they're going to be 13-1 and one and just need one more win to lock up home field advantage and the one seed in the NFC. You absolutely would have loved that. Let me ask you this, Ben, given that. So they just have to win one game. Do you do anything differently versus Dallas? next week. So I think this is going to be a big point of discussion among Eagles fans this week. Like, do you not show, like, you, you don't, do you treat that game just as you would if you needed that game to win the division? Or do you say, hey, well, let's be a little bit more vanilla. Hey, we have some wrinkles we thought about uh, if we play the Cowboys, but we don't need to break all of those out unless we need them. I guess if you want to go to the full extreme, you could say, hey, let's, let's sit some guys. You don't need that game. Go ahead. And, you know, if the Cowboys win that game, that's fine. Let's get some guys some rest. We just have to win one one of the final two, where on that sort of range of uh, handling the Cowboys game do you stand? I do everything I can to beat the Cowboys. I, if this were the prime Belichick, Brady era Patriots who'd been there before, done it before, knew how to get up for a playoff game, like, you know, I just had total professionals seen it before, then sure, you can like try to figure it out gamesmanship wise. What's this team predicated on? competitiveness right like what what is everything that Sirianni and Hertz preach leaders of the team effort like we we, we're just we're going to be a gritty high competition care a lot sort of a team so you can't preach that go 13 and 1 and then start trying to game the Cowboys game you I think once you get to like the Saints game and and week 18 they have the Giants if memory serves yeah Giants Uh, at home yep yeah you can get a little wise with it right you can play kelsey for the first half and then generate a 14 point lead and then stick jurgens in there and like i think that's like you know like right we've cleared it now we've gotten it but for as long as like you know the the z isn't next to the name first round by not clinched this this the incredible foundation this team has built and then the unbelievable season they've had on top of it Right, they could have had just built an incredible foundation of competitiveness, improvement, one and zero every week, and you know, get better, get better, get better, and be like ten and four, thirteen and one. As all been predicated on Sirianni being like, I freaking love this sport, I love this team. Jalen Hurts being like, we go out, we compete, we get better every single week. It's all about the business, and like, you can't preach that and then try to get clever during the Cowboys game. I, yeah, if if Shane Steichen has like a really cool fourth and one call he likes. I think he's less likely to call out in that Cowboys game than he is to call it in like maybe the third hypothetical Cowboys game. Yeah. But that's an insular thing. Overall, I think they're going to come out extremely hot and they're going to want to win that game. I agree. It would it would be getting too cute to do anything differently here. Uh, I'm sure the players want to beat the Cowboys. You had Micah Parsons' comments last week. It's still only week 16. You have two games after this. I think they will uh, approach this as they would any other game. Maybe not like a, you know, hey, this is for the division type game, but I don't really know what the tangible differences would be. I think they will approach this like they do every other game as a game they have to win. Uh, other Big picture things I had just uh, this pass rush 
is special. I mean, this, this, I know that's not a good offensive line, but it's not just one game. It's really the entire season, or, or really, if you look at the last, what, three, four weeks, it's, it's felt like it's really come on another six sacks today. They've got 55 on the season. That was six more than any other team when I checked it earlier today. They're sacking yep. opposing quarterbacks 10.7% of the time. That's tops in the NFL. Uh, True Media's database goes back to 2000. If they maintain the sack rate, it will be the highest for an Eagles team throughout that entire period. And those were some freaking good defenses uh, under Jim Johnson yeah. and even under uh, Jim Schwartz. So uh, Reddick was taking the game over at points today. Josh Sweat continues to play great. Javon Hargrave continues mm -hmm. uh, to be awesome for this team. So just, just really impressed with, you know, going into the season. I think we had the conversation, hey, they've got a lot of good guys. They don't have the Miles Garrett or the TJ Watt or the Aaron Donald, but they've got a lot of really good guys and the strength is in their depth. Now you're seeing that. They They've got four players in the top 20 for sacks. Hargrave has 10 on the season. Reddick has 12. Sweat has nine and a half. And Graham has eight and a half. Four in the top 20 league-wide. That's pretty impressive. And we should note, because it's easy to, to steamroll over it, uh, double-digit sacks from the interior is freaking difficult. This season, like what, Chris Jones and Quinnen, I think are the only other two defensive tackles who have over 10 sacks at this point now. Like Watts up there now because he just had a three-sack game, but Watt also like kind of plays on the outside. This is it's very hard to get double-digit sacks in the interior, especially like Hargrave is not always lined up in the position that's like the go-get-the-sack guy. Like when he and Cox are on the field at the same time, Hargrave is more likely to draw the double than Cox. So uh, unbelievable season from Hargrave, who's coming into free agency and I think is 29. Uh, Eagles going to have a decision on that one. That like That's a very, very tough one. He's had a wicked year in a contract year. Uh, Redick, right... Like, again, like, is Redick a takeover guy? Is he a star guy? No, but man, he wins so fast. And this is why, this is why sometimes friendly bullying is important. Because I guarantee you when Redick missed that sack on Justin Fields that ended up like a 45-yard run that was almost scored on, right? Yeah. Every defensive lineman on the sideline after that drive went to Redick. It was like, hey, sick tackle, buddy. Yeah, way to get him down. You know, you're just like, you like, you know, because Reddick had him. Reddick like beats the tackle, army crawls, just like the most high effort, high octane sack I'll ever see. Gets two arms around him and just falls off him like water. That's where, that's where Reddick is on the sideline sitting on the bench. Like the next time I get him, I, he's going down. I will, I will grab anything I need to grab. That's, and then what we talked about with last week uh, and all season with Reddick is he finishes his sacks, right? And so like that one Justin Fields escape notwithstanding, and it's Justin Fields, he's going to get one on you. The Eagles were able to finish pressures. And Hassan Reddick, especially in this game. Uh, two sats on the Eagles' sack performances. Uh, Jimmy Kemsky, Hassan Reddick with 12, Javon Hargrave with 10, Josh Hart with 9.5, Brandon Graham with 8.5. No NFL team has ever had four players collect 10-plus sacks each in a single season. So the Eagles have three weeks to get a half sack for Josh Sweat and a sack and a half for Brandon Graham and set a record for pass rush depth in that regard. John Clark, for the first time in Eagles history, uh, they have six-plus sacks in three straight games. Now, again... Daniel Jones, Ryan Tannehill. Wow, Eagles history. Yeah. 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 Daniel Jones, Ryan Tannehill, Justin Fields. You couldn't dream up a better trio to go set a record for sacks in consecutive weeks. But with that said, they still execute, right? Uh, and so huge kudos to them in that regard. Uh, Eagles defense was impressive in this game. Fields heroics notwithstanding. Uh, gave up a little bit in the running game. Linval. Linval doesn't look like first week Linval. Linval looks a little more tired, which I think is you know something that they've been trying to figure out. But altogether, like 
thought Kayvon played well against the run, played well stepping down. That was their weak point. Yeah, really? I'm looking forward to watching yeah. the film on Kayvon. It felt like he played pretty well watching yeah. live. Here's the thing with Kayvon. Kayvon plays with his hair on fire. Sometimes that's really bad. Sometimes he's like way ahead of the ball and he's totally out of control. And sometimes it's really good. He's chopping guys down and he's filling the gap quickly. And like, at least you can set your watch to him, right? You kind of know what you're getting. You can put him in positions to succeed, which uh, 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 Jonathan Gannon did. He had Kayvon rarely dropping in coverage, usually coming downhill in coverage, stepping down because he's so much better going forward. But the uh, when they were in 5-1-5 and they had five defensive backs on the field, Avante Maddox playing the, uh, playing the, uh, the second safety position. Very nice. Like that a lot from Jonathan Gannon. Finally. Just in, I've been asking yeah. for that for since he, his, that first season when he did it. I'm like, he seems to be pretty good at this. Why does yeah. he never do it again? Well, it's just when you have a player that's that small, the returns on making sure he's close to the catch point are diminished, right? Like when you're corner, you're going to be closer to the catch point than at safety. Well, with Avante Maddox, like he could be right on top of the catch point. And it's still not the longest guy, not the biggest yeah. guy, right? And so when you get to put him at safety, you get a lot of the benefits without some of the drawbacks of having him at like a more physical position like corner and nickel where you need to have be a little bit bigger. Uh, so I liked, I loved the fact that they, they, they experimented with that and they changed that up. We alluded to this a couple weeks ago, but when Chauncey Gardner-Johnson comes back and you have Avante, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Reed, who was playing well before he got hurt, and, and, and now you and Josiah Scott and Kayvon Wallace, and you start to have guys who you can punt your matchups. Pick your spots. What sort of team are you playing? How do they like to play? Who do you want in the slot? Who do you want at weak safety? How do you want to manipulate them, right? You start to build layers into this defense, this very, very simple defense that's going to force opposing offensive coaches to prepare throughout the week. Okay, when they put him here, what does that mean? When they put that guy there, what does that mean? So as long as you're keyed in on your own tendency and you know how to break it, you're now introducing complexity, which Gannon's defense is awesome, but if it needs anything, it needs that continued introduction of complexity. So I, I, I loved seeing what you saw there. I thought they played, uh, like, you know, at 20 points. It was a close game. You're kind of thinking, oh, I, I thought maybe they'd do better. We're used to these shutouts. Justin Fields made a lot of having, like, the, the fourth down touchdown, the scramble. Like, Fields was responsible for so much in this game. Eagles really, on the chalkboard, did a great job against the Bears' offense, and then just, you know, there's a Cam Newton out there playing. You're going to lose some to prime Cam Newton, you know? I think it might be you might be giving him a little too much credit, just I mean it was like a it was a handful of plays that yeah he made awesome uh, plays on but yes I, it was nothing uh, sustaining now I he didn't have much of a chance with that I mean with that offensive line and and uh, end around once Tevin Vila, went down yeah Velas Jones uh, jet sweeps and um, you know he got injured on the one play and came back in and we thought we we're getting the Peterman experience but yeah he can make absolutely highlight level plays uh, he can get out of stuff he can make huge plays with his legs and then he can scramble it and throw a touchdown like he did uh, on that uh, on that final touchdown that they had uh, some snap counts here I'm looking at for the Eagles defense that go along with what you said let's see how many snap did the defense play total 58 and in that group let's see some of the guys Kayvon Wallace played 40 of the 58 uh yep. snaps there Linville Joseph played 32 and Dominican Sue played 19 Patrick Johnson played 15 Jordan Davis played 14 he was again it seemed like in there with uh Linville, Linville. Joseph and Sue I want to say right I, I feel yep. like they had three big boys uh in there at the same time, Josiah, Josiah Scott, who I thought maybe might get uh, more of a look here at safety, only played two snaps there. All right, let's take a uh, quick break. We'll talk a little bit more. I have some questions for you about uh, sort of the offensive game plan. We'll do that when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. 
Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. All right, back on the Ringers Philly special. I thought this was a strange offensive game plan. Given the opponent, given the sort of weather conditions, uh, I went back and looked at it. Listen, these might not be uh, exact because I did it quickly right before the podcast, but they had zero running back runs on their first three possessions, a total of 16 plays. The first handoff to Miles Sanders came on the fourth possession, the 17th play. They had one running back run on the first four possessions, uh, 19 plays. And so I thought to me, this was a game where they were going to come out and be like, listen, we can dot. This is the worst defensive line probably in the NFL. We can come out, we can dominate, we can run the ball. It's cold. It's windy. They didn't do that right away. But then like, there were obviously some issues with Jalen Hurts early on throwing the ball. And I thought, okay, they're going to go to it. And they didn't really, until like you said, the very, very um, end of the game. Uh, I, I thought there were too many like Jalen Hurts quarterback runs like I that should be a like use it you know when you need it type thing I I didn't think this was a game where you wanted to run him this much I mean this might have been probably the most big hits he's taken all season long Uh, you know there was the one where Gibson landed on him and his shoulder and that's the first time I think all season I remember Jalen Hurts getting up uh slowly after a hit and so I didn't like doing that in a game like this what 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 did you think with, with sort of those things in the game plan overall whenever a NFL offensive play caller is over his skis the solution is just call a handoff right they we, Mike McDaniels had the sensation in Miami 
Oh, RPO, play action, reduction. Eagles, a quarterback draw, you know, play action, RPO screen. Handoff, call a run. Not, oh, do this, anything. You put the ball in the belly of the back, right? And, and whenever you get to your fourth drive behind this offensive line against this too high defensive team with, with Roquan Smith gone and, and, and uh, Robert Quinn gone and no talent in the defensive front. They got somebody, they got some talent, but still, like generally a weak front. When you get to your fourth drive and you have yet to call the put the ball in the belly of the back play, you are over your skis. Too big yeah. for your boots. You got to dial it back. Uh, the other thing that it it does, which, you know, the degree of, of veracity of what I'm about to say has been like challenged by the nerds and kind of, you know, interrogated for a while in coaching circles, but it settles you down, right? The Eagles came out. In the coldest weather, I think Jalen Hurts has played in in his career. It's at least close. He's playing in 15 degrees, Sounds right? right? Yeah. And Hurts was absolutely 100 percent unequivocally unequivocally shaky to start the game, right? He had the the, the deep pass on third and three to Devontae, which was a good ball. Devontae made an incredible catch, rolling out to his left, scrambled to throw. It was nice, whatever. And then he immediately heat checks into the Kyler Gordon interception. Just like he just had a scramble drill play, made an incredible throw, so he went to do it again when he really didn't need to, right? Just it's first and ten on the 40, run for three yards. You know what I'm saying? This is this is you know not not the time he throws it like two receivers in the same area, whatever. The next drive, three and out, all incomplete passes. At second and ten, third and ten, throwing deep balls to Devontae and AJ Brown, both of which are inaccurate. Uh the th- the third drive yeah, they the Brown one. In. Sorry, sorry to yeah, the Brown Please. one, especially on that second possession. I thought he really had a chance at that one. It was a blitz. Brown was one on one. It was like more yeah. separation than he had gotten on a lot of throws, and that was a bad throw that he left uh, to the inside there. So I'm with you. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Third. And possession. they had yeah, and then on on the third possession, they get a couple more Jalen Hurts runs. Uh, they had the the uh, they had multiple deep incompletions. Grant Calcaterra, AJ Brown, the Calcaterra one, woefully inaccurate. Calcaterra probably got away with offensive pass interference. They had the big Devontae Smith catch run, so he had some hits, but like he generally was looking significantly more scatter shot than he had in, in the previous few games. Yeah, and also was biting off a lot. Right, it was just chunk, 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 chunk. There was not a lot of developing behind the line of scrimmage for them. You can settle him down. Like it, it is he is an impossibly we've remarked on this and impossibly mature and cool and, and just as calm as you'll find for a young player he's also in his second season starting you know he's still young it's still it's still like you 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 need to have the ability to like kind of slow us down they end up you know getting the miles sanders handoff they pick up a yard and then he throws the pick to deandre houston carson which this was the one where like quez was open it looks like he led him too far yeah. but quez might have slowed down difficult to say whose fault that one is i saw a lot of people be like that's definitely on quez not sure about that. Like it, it, that's one you got to see on the on the film. But you know, okay. Like he throws this second pick, and now you're 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 down to the Bears, and it's just weird and uncomfortable. They come out the next drive. Miles Sanders handoff. Miles Sanders handoff. Jalen Hurts scramble. Dump off to Kenny Gainwell. Dump off to Kenny Gainwell, and then they connect on a shot to Devontae Smith. Now they're in scoring drive. They get Jalen Hurts on, on the uh, on the third and eight. Not even really a QB draw. Just like uh, hey, they're giving me cover zero. I'm going to make the safety mitts and there's no one here sort of play, yeah. which is just, again, like the, the coolness and the calmness of Hurts to collect himself. But you like to get those runs in. You like to just pick up a first down, let the defense talk for a little bit on the sideline, let the offensive line get settled. Like there's, I know that like, you know, there's no real like data for it, but it, it really did feel like they got the game back in, 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 in regular breaths, you know, deep in and deep out. Once they actually got to the running game and got to balance, I was surprised they didn't bring that. I was glad they eventually got to it. 
Yeah, I, I'm almost never the, hey, they should have run the ball more guy. Uh, I'm not all the way on the other end of it where I say don't ever uh, run the ball. But to me, it's just kind of we've given them credit week after week for, hey, what's the matchup? What are the circumstances? Do what gives your offense the best chance to win. And to me, in this game, like you mentioned, I mean, all right, maybe you come out thinking you can just gash them uh, or, or you can just throw all over them. But then, all right, it might be a little bit harder to throw the ball today, whether it's the cold, the windiness, Hurts is just a little bit off, whatever it was. You can tell that after the first possession. You can definitely tell that after the second possession. You can definitely tell that after the third possession. So it's, I, I just thought at some point there, uh, I'm with you, especially given the advantage your offensive line. Now, maybe we'll watch on film and go, wow, their offensive line uh, actually didn't have a great game and they weren't getting much push in the run game and it wasn't the matchup uh, maybe you or I thought going in. But yeah, I mean, their first four possessions, mm-hmm. they had a field goal, two turnovers, and a punt. And it just seemed like, all right, it's kind of hard. It seems like a hard day to just be chucking the ball uh, down the field. Now, to what you said about Hurts, I think he did this deserves credit to get it never snowballs on Hertz. I mean, it's just, yeah. all right, next possession. Let's get it. All right. Didn't work out next possession. And then he just gets going. I mean, he throws the, the fade to you. You mentioned to uh, Devonte Smith out of the slot for 37 yards. Uh, you mentioned the zero blitz. Uh, he runs, has the touchdown. He throws a pretty go ball to AJ Brown for 29 yards. We're not a lot of separation there. I mean, he had to put that, drop that ball uh, kind of mm-hmm. right in AJ Brown's hands and AJ Brown did a great job tracking it. That, Keyed another touchdown drive. Uh, they scored on the last drive. They scored a touchdown on the last drive of the first half, and then the first drive of the second half, which uh, announcers love to talk about. Uh, and it uh, it, right. it was great in this game. Yeah, they they took control of the game there, and then it was still kind of like a little up and down the the rest of the game. I I felt at that point. I don't know what you felt like. I was like, all right, now they're gonna blow them out. Like this is gonna be yep. um, you know a double digit lead the rest of the way. But it, that that didn't really uh, isn't the way it turned out. Yeah. The uh I 100% thought coming out of the half, I so like like betting wise, at right at halftime, I took Eagles spread and I took the under. I was like, yeah, this is what was it? Like, it was uh, Eagles minus eight and a half for the game, and then under 23 and a half second half points. That would have been 38 and a half total points on the game. I want to say, um, and they walk out in in the uh, in the second half, right? They okay, they go touchdown touchdown, but then the Eagles touchdown two point conversion. Now they're leading by uh, 12. They're, they've got, you know, st- the game is still under. Like, they're like, yeah, exactly what I thought. They're putting together a long drive. For sure, absolutely. And then Fields comes out with that freaking drive with four minutes left in the fourth quarter and, you know, gets the uh, gets the 35-yard pass to, to Byron Pringle off of the, uh, you know, the, the return. And then Zach Passel's in sports-like conduct. And you're like, all right, now we have to actually care about the last three minutes of this game. Sure, why not, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought that they'd be able to take control. And, like... They had the 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 drive that ended on the Chicago 33, fourth and six, uh, incomplete to AJ Brown contested, which we should say for the Eagles, slightly disappointing day passing the football, I think a little bit worse than than expected. The Bears defensive backs were hitting. I mean, they were they were physical. They they were comfortable in the concepts, right? Yeah. Like they, this had some similarity to the Colts uh, game where you're like, all right, like they kind of think you know. It slants like we know <laughs> we're just going to step down and fire. We're going to see if we can get a pass breakup. Uh, so they played well. Uh, so you had the third and you had the fourth and six, almost Eagles didn't convert on the 33. And then you had the missed field goal, uh, a fourth and 10 from the 20 where uh, Jay Kelly hits the upright. So the Eagles had opportunities to make this more of a comfortable game, not a one score game late. And they just, they weren't able to convert, but eventually they got it done. So a little bit better of an offensive performance in the second half. than I think the, the numbers would indicate one thing on those go balls, uh, Felt like Jalen Hurts was throwing a lot of them because he was. I uh, asked Next Gen Stats 
uh, three for eight for 135 yards on go balls, eight go balls in a game is tied for the fourth most in a game this season with like a whole bunch of a bunch of different games, but like a yeah. lot high dose. This was another like one of those games we referenced Arizona before with the screens referenced the Colts game with the, with the read option stuff where the opposing defense was able to do enough maneuvering to put the Eagles off. <coughs> Excuse me. Hello. It was a good enough game for the opposing defense to kind of put the Eagles offense in, in a spot and maneuver them such that the Eagles are kind of like an, if this, then that offense, if you give us this coverage, we're going to throw this. If you give us that coverage, we're going to throw that kind of got the Eagles into a spot where they were just like living on backside slants and backside go balls. It's not a bad way to live. Jalen Hurts throws a really good go ball, not super great today, but generally he does. And then A.G. Brown, Devontae Smith, right? Which, you know, we should note for a second just in terms of the, the <laughs> overall box score. Uh, yeah. The Eagles threw the football 37 times and a total of 24 targets. So that's just under 66% of the targets went to A.G. Brown and Devontae Smith. Whoa. Here, but, I'll one-up yeah. you here. They, had, they combined for 307 receiving yards. The rest of the team... Had eight. 307 yeah. for them. The rest of the team had eight. You're right. It's funny that we haven't even mentioned them. AJ Brown had nine for 181. Devontae Smith had five for 126. Five for 126. We are 29 minutes into the podcast, and it's the first time we're talking about them. Well, we did we did a cool, we did it like backwards. We like talked big picture stuff first, and then we went yeah. defense. I loved it. I was looking back at some season-long bets uh earlier uh, earlier this week because it's just you know kind of what you do. The over-under. <laughs> For uh, games with at least 100 receiving yards for A.J. Brown was two and a half. He has four. And he has another game with 95 and another game with 85 and then three games in the 70s. I don't know who was thinking that two and a half was going to be a reasonable number for this guy. Regardless. Um, so, you, you you know, once you live in this, like, go ball and slant world, like they kind of just this passing game became pretty siloed into that. It's not a bad place to live. So you have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith going against Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon. It's like, you go cool with the matchup and Jalen Hurts was a great go ball, but you just see the fragility that gets introduced, right? It's always, I always go back to that Washington game in week three where it was like the Eagles passing offense is the greatest thing ever. And it's like, yeah, it is. When you hit on four go balls, you don't do that a lot. It's hard to do that over the course of a game. So uh, again, a game where like the Eagles kind of, you know, the, the, the bears were sending their blitzes and they were getting up the line of scrimmage and kind of got the Eagles into a spot where they were always throwing the same concepts. And when you get there, things start to get a little bit coin flippy, a little bit 50, 50, which is something that happens with this offense It's very versatile, but defenses can kind of back it into a corner and say, like, Hey, like we know if we give you this and that you're going to play ball this way. And we're happy living in that world. So you saw that a little bit in this game, but star talent, star talent, AJ Brown makes the catch that sets up the, 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 not the game winning touchdown, but the touchdown to go ahead two scores. Like, all right, if you want to live in an AJ Brown one-on-one go ball world, we'll live there too. And eventually yeah, we're going to get a Steelers game catch. We're going to get a Washington game catch and we're going to be fine. Yeah. It was like a, an old school Andy Reed, keep firing type game where we're just like, all right, it, it hasn't worked yet. We keep firing them uh, outside and we're eventually going to hit on some. And they did, like you mentioned, the 68 yarder that they got to uh, AJ Brown down the right sideline was another great throw by Jalen Hurts. Yeah, it, it's funny. I mean, it felt like a very disjointed offensive game. They obviously had three turnovers. And then you look at the box score, 400 and 
21 yards. Even at the end of the first half, I was like, I looked at the box score at halftime. I go, they had 195 yards in the first half. It felt like they absolutely sucked in the first yep. half. And so I, does, I think it does speak to kind of what type of team this is, what type of offense this is, that they can score 421. They can put together uh, 421 yards. And you're sort of like, eh, it didn't feel like the greatest offensive game for them let's see what else did i have here miles sanders had the fumble of course on the screen eh, his first fumble of the year get it out of the way against the bears in week 15 get it out of that's, the way i like that that that's fine uh too i'm surprised i can't believe i'm bringing this up you haven't brought this up a little too much quest watkins in this game benny souls what was going on with the i mean six targets they're throwing screens to quest watkins how about this this might have been the worst call of the game third and two you're going deep to Deep to Quez Watkins, uh, the the jet sweeps to Quez Watkins. What in the did did Nick Sirianni or Shane Steichen someone lose some type of bet? Was there? Uh, do they need to give him a confidence boost? Uh, I'm not wrong, right? This was way too much Quez Watkins in this game. I said when when I when an NFL play caller gets over their skis, they just need to put the ball in the belly of the back. How do you identify when you're over your skis? Schemed touches for the third receiver, especially when the first two receivers are A.J. Brown and Devontae <laughs> Smith. Every, every schemed touch on this team should go to Brown, Smith, Goddard, Sanders. Sanders exclusively unlike screens. That Kenny Gainwell third and two nonsense. Quez Watkins in space. The, the Eagles want to like... They want to have this dimension to their game that like a lot of the college RPO offenses do where they hit you with the jet sweep just enough, right? They hit you with like the, the running back on the flat of the backfield just enough to make you respect it. So then they can run the counters, right? Oh, run the ghost screens, run the fake yeah. jet, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's just like, it's not, there's a reason why nobody lives on jet sweeps in the NFL except for Sean McVay. It's because he's Sean McVay and he can and nobody else can do it. There's, the, the, there's not enough room. There's not enough speed. NFL defenses are too good. And that's true when it's like Tyreek Hill getting the jet sweep. Quiz. Well, I was going to say, yeah, they do <laughs> yeah. not have a guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's um, when Goddard went down, I thought they were in trouble. They got a little bit of a step up from Stoll and Calcaterra's slid in and been okay. But Quez is impressed. Quez has had good games in Goddard's absence. They thought they could get Goddard back for this game. Obviously no Goddard. And they were kind of like, well... Quez has been awesome for us, and it's like, okay, yeah, but what have you done for me lately? And what we've done for me lately is eight catches, 165 yards for A.J. Brown, and five catches, 120 yards, whatever it was, for Devontae Smith. Just keep it simple, stupid. And it's also, yeah, Quez, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, I, I think Quez Watkins is fine as their third wide receiver. I think he does some good things. I like having a fast guy in that spot. But, yeah, I don't need screens and uh, jet sweeps to Quez Watkins. Like, his strength is so obvious uh, down the field is where he excels there, whether you're, you're taking shot plays or Though, uh, mm -hmm. whatever. But, yeah. We should identify as somebody who really likes to take the Mickey out of uh, third and long screen calls uh eagles up by four third and ten from the, their own four 96 nice yards to go <laughs> Devontae's with and and right and, and i didn't look up soon enough to like think about like tweeting it but right when i looked up i saw the look i was like oh they want screen in this look they absolutely do they had like nine yards off three over three absolutely it's a screen look from heaven and it, the, the good thing is the ball went to Devontae because Devontae is really patient on those. So he just let the blockers get in front. He picked his way through. He didn't try to like, you know, make a guy miss and like house call it. Just go get 14. And he, he did a very nice job. That look was a very acceptable screen look. <laughs> on your own four <laughs> is gumption, though. That's ballsy. <laughs>
the, that uh, that was nice. Yeah, I think uh, I think I was subconsciously probably thinking of you as he uh, ran for the first down there. They put the game away with the slant to AJ Brown uh, late. Like yeah, I, I think we mentioned that before on that final drive there. I think that's all I had on the uh, offense. Yeah, I just I, I didn't like the hits on the hurt. This this is one of the few games this year where I was like, ooh, these hits on hurts would make me very nervous if I was uh, the coaching staff or Howie Roseman or Jeffrey Lurie watching like a week 15 game at Chicago where you're nine point favorites and you're running hurts like this. And he's taking some big, uh, big hits on some of these. So uh, Mm -hmm. we'll see what they say about that this week. But I think that is going to be uh, a talking point amongst Eagles fans, Eagles media, whatever in the days ahead. Yeah, the uh, the big talking point for me moving forward, I should say, like with with kind of a scope for the week, is this Cowboys defense getting banged up, man. Uh, besides Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis already done for this game, or already already out, out for the season. Excuse me, LVE Leighton Van Resch went out in this game, which LVE isn't you know necessarily the player they hoped he would be in the first uh, with the first round pick, but he's still a solid player. Uh, Jonathan Hankins, who's defensive tackle, run stopper for them, he's banged up. Uh, they have, uh, what's the name of the safety? I'm, I'm forgetting now. They had a, a strong safety, not Malik Hooker. Curse? I can't. Yeah, Jerome, thank you, Jerome Curse. Jerome. Uh, also, also left this game. Uh, they do not have the back seven horses for this Eagles game. Not, not the group that they need. Uh, so this now becomes a trench battle. You cannot, if you, if the Eagles win up, up in the trenches against the Cowboys, they should have a pretty substantial advantage in this game. They let Michael Parsons take over, the Michael Parsons takes over. Uh, and the, uh, the, the blitz dynamic, that's going to be interesting too. Cowboys are probably going to send more pressure because there's no reason to try to get home with four and leave seven back there when somebody in the seven is going to be weak no matter what. You might as well see if you can send an extra guy and get home. And uh, blitzing still today worked for the, uh, worked for the Bears. Blitzing this Eagles offense really, really simplifies them. Uh, Hertz can lose his mind in the pocket a little bit, right? He had like a freak out in the pocket today. I took a second down sack. Like that's that still remains a little bit of the pressure point for this team. So the uh, the Dan Quinn versus Shane Steichen battle with all these injuries the Cowboys are accumulating, extremely big. Because if Steichen wins that, Eagles are in a really, really good spot next week. Jaguars had 503 yards of offense today, 26 first downs yep. against the. Uh, against the Cowboys. Trevor Lawrence had 318 yards and four TDs. They ran for 192 yards. I didn't didn't realize this. They ran for 192 and averaged 7.1 yards per carry. And their longest run was 30. It's not like they had a 75-yard run in there. The the three most important players to the Cowboys stopping the run over the past few weeks, Micah Parsons being number one because of obvious, is Jonathan Hankins and LVE, and they're both out. They got no beef. The heaviest guy, they, 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 they get... They'll be in, like, base defense on first and 10, and their heaviest defense alignment will be Osa Digazoo is, like, 285. I mean, yeah. they can't do it against the Eagles, especially with, like, they're going to be light at the second level with uh, with uh, Jabril Cox and, and the other young linebacker they've got. Like, yeah, they're, they're in a lot of trouble. So we'll see. Uh, it's a – it is a – the Dallas is getting unhealthy at the wrong time. Like, you kind of wondering if you're an Eagles fan, like, this Cowboys team looks so good. Like, what's happening? Wheels are coming off. Injuries accumulating at one position. The one thing the Eagles have been able to avoid this year is kind of that issue, and, and, and they've kept the boat afloat. So health over the next three weeks, man, that's, that's the prayer right now. It's, it's everything. Just, yeah, just it, it, if you can get to the playoffs healthy, man, this NFC playoff. I, I hate saying it because I just know there's going to be some like stupid Lions team that's like scoring 40 every <laughs> week or something dumb. But, man, this NFC playoff picture is ripe for the picking. You just got to get healthy into January. 
Especially, so let's see the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, you could have a, a situation, right, where the Cowboys, the 49ers potentially host the uh, Cowboys before you play either of them. I'd have to look at the standings here. I just looked at the line. Mm-hmm. Have you looked at the line for next week yet? Do you want to guess? I have not looked at the line for next week. I know what the look-ahead line was. Uh, okay. I wonder how much it's changed, if at all. I will say minus Eagles favored by six and a half. Whoa! Cowboys favored by one and a half. In this game upcoming. Uh, I'm looking at Fanto right now. How about that? I mean, six and a half I thought was high. I, I would have said like Eagles by like a field goal. Is it, wait, is it is it in Dallas or in Philly? It's in Dallas. I thought I, I I did think it was in Philly, so I did give it a little bit of juice. I was Still, thinking like that's surprising. Yeah. They're under. I was thinking like four, four is underdog. Yeah, I wonder if they that's happened sh- before. They should not be underdogs in this game. Not with the injuries the Cowboys are accumulating. If Cowboys are at full strength, I absolutely like. I'm fine with that. Home game, divisional game, primetime slot for sure. With the, the way the Cowboys are banged up in the back seven, to me that's a very silly line. They're gonna love that. They're under. They got the underdog card. Yeah. They got the Micah Parsons. What he said last week, card. Yeah, they're not gonna hold back. I don't think uh, at all in this game. So right now, uh, Eagles the one seed, Vikings the two seed, Niners the three seed, Bucks still the four seed. Even after, oh my gosh, that Bucks game against the Bengals. Uh, Cowboys are at five. Commanders at six, Giants at seven. This is before mm-hmm. uh, that that game is happening right now, so we don't know the result uh, of that game. But uh, even whoever loses that will be seven, six, and one, so they'll still have a better record than the Seahawks and Lions. So that's not going to change. So you're looking at something like Vikings play the Giants in the wild card round, Niners play the Commanders, Bucks play the Cowboys, and uh, and then Listen. in the second round, yeah, the Vikings uh, would host a game against the lowest seed so that could potentially be though the cowboys right here's yeah here's a list of a list of things i'm worried about in the nfc playoffs in ascending order number four the lions i just this line seems playing well and if they get in that's going to be annoying eagles should be the lions but whatever number three playing the cowboys for the third time very hard to beat a team three times in a row right extremely difficult to beat them three times one season historically tough to do so uh, you know, you're 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 a little bit worried about that match if you have to do it again. Two, whatever witchcraft the Vikings are doing, man, the Vikings should be burned at the stake. If this were Salem, the Vikings would be gone. There's just no way this is this is straight alchemy. They're doing some sort of nonsense. But like the Eagles play the Vikings, the Eagles are clearly better than the Vikings, killed them in week two, match up with them beautifully, and I will sweat the entire game until I see triple zeros. This Vikings team is unbelievable. Number one by a mile is confident Brock Purdy in the NFC Championship game. Because the only weakness right now with the Niners is seventh-round rookie. I mean, other than that, like, skill position-wise, they're incredible. Offensive line is so much better. Defense, all three levels, insane. Like, Niners are absolutely, unequivocally, 100%, the team in the NFC best built to beat the Eagles. When Nick Foles played that Super Bowl run, it's easy to forget, but that Falcons' first half was horrible. It was so bad, his first game. And they squeaked by, and they did enough, and it was just, okay, we can win with this guy. And the next two games are unbelievable, right? It, it's, if Purdy wins one playoff game with the way that like, he's a bit of a gamer too, he's got like, you know, Foles had his own like, you know, nickname right. and Brock Purdy's got a very similar nickname going on. The vibes are not <laughs> too different. So if Purdy gets that one playoff win, you know, they, they get like a sleepy commander's team and they beat him 13 to nine. 
and he just the, the the ground settles beneath him, the Niners are absolutely the scariest thing in the NFC playoffs. So let's get the Lions in as a seven seed. Let's get a Niners two seed somehow. Let's get the Niners out of my playoff picture, and then I'll feel great about the NFC. The uh, that Niners defense. I mean, yeah, I I've been on the fence about that whether it's the Niners or the Cowboys, and I I still need to give it more thought because it's still hard for me to get to a point where I'd say I would rather face Dak Prescott than Brock Purdy if I'm the Eagles. But man, that Niners defense. If there's a defense just that's just gonna do like you know some form of what the Bucks did to you last year. I know it's a different Eagles offense, but uh, they are playing really well. So I misspoke earlier. So the Eagles, the, their most likely divisional round opponent would be the winner of the 4-5, which would be Bucks cowboys So uh, that would be their most likely yeah. opponent because then you would have the Vikings play the 49ers in the other, uh, in the other uh, end of the bracket there in the NFC. So yeah, Bucks would be a, listen, they, I think they, I have no fear of that Bucks team and Tom Brady. If I'm the Eagles, I mean, they are complete frauds. They stink. You saw it again today. Uh, and so if they would beat the Cowboys, that would be a nice opponent. Or like you said, could be the Cowboys for a third time. And that would be fun. Divisional round home game against the Dallas Cowboys. That would certainly be a lot of fun. So I think that's something to keep in mind as we look ahead to uh, next week's game. All right. Anything else from this game, Benjamin, that we didn't uh, we didn't get to, or did we hit on everything? And then I've got a couple uh, housekeeping items to finish with. Uh, I did get a little bit sassy about T.J. Edwards and Kaiser White in this game, which the okay. Eagles won, so it doesn't matter. But it's really unbelievable how we've all just universally agreed that T.J. Edwards is very good and very underrated, and he also makes no splash plays. I find that very interesting, just in general, just like how that dichotomy has come to being he just great at picking up tackles four yards past line of scrimmage whatever i the uh, i don't think that's is that true that he makes no uh well what do you what do you deem a splash play tfl uh batted pass okay he's got fumble, two sa- he's got two sacks he's got he's got eight tfls look at that he's yeah. made sp- splash plays uh eight you're right TFLs. he has not produced turnovers he has no interceptions uh, and no forced fumbles Eight TFLs, I would wager five of those eight happen outside of the tackle box because they flex him All out. Right. Like well, you didn't stipulate where he has to make the TFLs. I unblock. If he's running to the flat and tackling a guy behind the line of scrimmage, that counts as a TFL. Is, is, all I know is that David Montgomery had himself a nice, comfortable day between the tackles. <laughs> And also, the Eagles had no ability. And, like, it's fields. Like, chasing him down is extremely difficult. But the Eagles, uh, second level, continues to, I think, be the... They they can get beat up in the running game a little bit. But, you know, Bears are going to be as big of a challenge as they're going to get. Like, even, like, this current era, the Niners isn't that good at running the football. Lions aren't really that anymore. Like, it's not going to matter for the playoffs. I was just... I was was watching. I was like, you see, people people make up these legends about these linebackers that I just don't... They aren't born out in in the film, in my opinion. I am on the record as they are like, I don't think I have, I don't think I have done that. Maybe I have. And I don't know if you're talking about me or uh, others. I think they are solid linebackers who have given you, uh, I would say slightly above average linebacker play for the season. And have certainly overachieved my expectations for what I thought they were going to give Better you than I thought. this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Overachieved. Okay. You know, there's like, a, <laughs> you know, I saw a fairly prominent Eagles Twitter account ask why, TJ Edwards isn't considered a Pro Bowl linebacker this week. And I was like, well, because he's not that good. But whatever. It's fine. <laughs> you can't help yourself, can you? All right. No, I cannot. Uh, so that was uh, this game. couple housekeeping notes 
Ben had a huge revelation. I mean, every day you're, you know, you've been good for business. You drop these bombs on our Thursday 10 every week. I don't even think you mean to. You just say something what about I, yourself. I don't even remember what I said this week. <laughs> you said you keep the thermostat at 60 degrees. Oh, that was that this past week? Jeez, yeah. man. Time. That, Holy smokes. <laughs> that was this past week. And so I tweet that out with the episode. And then again, just like the jeans thing, I get all these people responding, Team Ben, oh yeah, Solak knows what's up. I keep it at 60. T- and I'm going, wait a minute, is this something a lot of people do that I don't know about? So of course I have to go to the very scientific uh, Twitter poll and I found that no, it is as many things online, just a vocal minority uh, yelling the loudest. Just I will 2. say, 2.4%. Right, but that, that category was 60 or lower, right? Yeah. And then you did like okay. the next category of 61 right. to 65. Okay, if you did true. like... 57 to 63 exactly this is we're manipulating the stats here this is politics baby well it comes no that's true all right you're right i should have done i find it i find it non ridiculous if you get to at least like 64 then i can be like all right this guy's a little bit off but i can kind of understand it so uh, yeah i did i actually wasn't sure how to uh, do that. You know, I did the, the final range was like 71 and above, which too many people doing 71 and above. But I was happy to see that the majority, mm-hmm. 67% were between 66 and 70. Thank you. Uh, audience, Twitter following, you are all normal people. Just 2% <laughs> still, 60 2% or below. I was getting, I mean, multiple texts, multiple threads from people uh, about two things. One was that, Solak, what, 60 degrees? What's wrong with it? And the other one was, need more cliff. I mean, I was getting every thread yeah. I'm on with listeners was, we need more, uh, we need more cliff. So we absolutely uh, do need more cliff. And I will, uh, Cliff, Cliff, how about you? Did you get, uh, did, were, were you getting a lot of feedback? Were you like walking down the street in Brooklyn and were people like, oh, you're, you're Cliff <laughs> from uh, the Ringer's Philly special? Nah, it's a couple of folks that that hit my line about you know they had a couple they had a couple problems with my little cheesesteak spots, but it's all good, man. I try to steer people in the right direction. I tell them like, look, if you really, really, really want a good cheesesteak, go to them corner stores in the city where people don't know the names of anyone in the back, but they got you. They'll get you right. They'll get you a nice platter, cheesesteak, fries, salt, pepper, ketchup, fried onions, and a soda on the side for like ten dollars, and you'll be set, man. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to give the people some good advice, but I, you know, I guess people gotta hate sometimes. It's all good though. I, I actually heard from many, uh, several people who said like Cliff nailed it with the uh, cheesesteak ranking. So it's like Ben with the um, temperature. You know, if you're kind of the vocal for, minority. First of all, I, you know what I just realized about Ben? I'm like, yo, doesn't he live in Michigan? How the yeah. hell are you? How do you keep their <laughs> How do you keep your thermostat on 60 degrees and you live in Michigan? But like, I, try, I, I turn the dial down until I see 60, and then that's that's the last <laughs> thing about it, brother. I, the, I, show, would, show. I would turn it straight off if it wasn't unsafe for the dog. Oh, my God. <laughs> but you live in Michigan, bro. Like, what? I live, I live, I like, where I lived in Northeast Pennsylvania is basically the same latitude as where I live in Michigan. Like, I live about as south of Michigan as you can get. So, like, Grand Rapids really does not like it was like you know twenty seven twenty eight today. We but got does, ten inches of the, snow this weekend though. That was nice. But, but isn't there a thing called like a lake effect or something like that? Like doesn't that happen? That's up for there? like that's for the snow and for the wind mostly. I mean, gotcha, like, it, it makes gotcha. it a little bit colder. But like that's why we've had two snowfalls this year and both have been double digits. And that's because it picks up. Woo. It pay, I was going to say it picks up moisture from the lake, but here's the confession. I can share this because it's an Eagles podcast and there's no Midwesterners on this. I don't really know what lake effect is or does. I just know that <laughs> no anytime, and yeah. anytime anything happens here, one of the Michiganders 
Michigander, what we call ourselves, Michiganders, says, oh, it's because of the lake effect. And I'm always like, heck yeah, man. That lake's <laughs> yeah. just, it's affecting stuff. That's a lot of effects, that lake. And I have no idea what the science behind it is, and I'll never learn. You just wave them high goodbye and just go on with your day, don't you? Yeah. Midwesterners, yeah. man. Get yeah. Bring, I, I'm going back to the Northeast for Christmas. I'm so excited. But let's that, go, baby. It. Let's go. That sounds right. Yeah, lake you just lake effect is just something you say, and uh, it doesn't really uh, mean anything. You can, it can explain the problems in the world. Uh, the celebrities, uh, Mount Rushmore. Uh, I think Cliff, you did a good job on that. The only one I got multiple tweets about not having on there was Rob uh, McElhaney from It's Always Sunny and oh, yeah. other yeah. other things. Um, what do you think? Should he have been on there or not? Is he someone we thought about but didn't put on there? Or did he just uh, slip our minds? Or no, or not as big? I don't know if he, is he as big as the people that we had on there. My thing is what Rob is, he, I don't think he makes like big public appearances like that at games though. But he does represent Philly really well. Like obviously, you <laughs> created a show you know, about Philadelphia. Yeah. So I can't really uh, fault that. But again, like I just... I've never really seen Rob like at games or like them flash to him like during a Sixers game or, you know, when the Phillies were in the World Series and everybody and their mom from the city came out there and had a booth some way, somehow. I, I just I never saw Rob like, you know, publicly out there like that. So I listen, I'm wrong, but but Rob is a pure Philadelphian with the temple. I'm pretty sure he grew up in northeast Philly, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously created one of you know the best sitcoms about Philadelphia ever. I think he went to prep too, St. Joe's prep too, actually. So listen, my bad, Philly. Rob is definitely on there for sure. Okay. Yeah, no, I did a quick search here. I see a picture of him with Kelsey and Lane Johnson. I see one with Sirianni. I see one of him uh, from the Super Bowl, it looks like. So uh, yeah, he, he certainly could be on there. Don Staley was another one that I thought was oh, a good yeah, one. Oh, yeah, Don. That could, but Don, that Don could. I feel like Don's more of a Sixers fan, though. Like, you Maybe. don't really see her come back up here for you. I mean, she's in the middle of the season, right? Like, you don't yeah. really see her come back up here for uh, for Eagles games, especially you, in the middle of the wintertime when she lives in South Carolina. You know who's actually legit uh, Eagles fan is Kyle Lowry. I mean, he he yeah. remember, remember he would open his press conferences and go, I'm only taking questions about the Eagles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Lowry, Morris Twins. <laughs> Dudes like that. So, yeah. you know, shout, shout out to all the Philly Hoopers, too, that, okay. love the, uh, that love the birds as well. Yeah, no, I think you did a good job. Someone asked about Taylor Swift. Uh, I got my wife and I got Nora Princiati on the uh, – That's an expert on the, panel right there. Yeah. Uh, Man, on that the, testimony would stand up in federal court, that, that, that group. That's right. Someone uh, sent a tweet uh, with uh, Taylor Swift in an Eagles jersey, and Nora immediately found photos of her in a Patriots jersey and, like, six other teams' uh, jerseys. So I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe she belongs. Maybe she nah. doesn't belong, but I don't think so. Uh, you know why she, you know why she did that that's more so of like okay i have a concert at gillette stadium tonight so right let me wear this Patriots jersey to show everybody love or hey i got this concert at the link tonight i sold out you know three days in a row yeah let me wear this eagles jersey she did grow up in reading for a little bit so right. she could be an eagles fan you know just by proximity but i yeah. highly highly doubt that taylor swift is locked into what the birds are doing every week or cares about their record so who what who was it boys to men who they like uh they wore lakers jerseys for one of those things and everyone yeah. killed them. It was boys to men, right? Yeah. Come on. Like I said, people do B2M. people do that all the time. Yeah. yeah. I think I think Meek got a a, a Patriots championship ring. Yeah. Think about all the double dipping some of these people do just to appease to the crowds and the masses. Like a lot of these a lot of musicians, especially, they have to cater to where they're performing at. So they'll wear like for instance, like a lot of people will come to Philly or um 
I, I don't know what the shield you know the name of what they call that now. It used to be Tweeter Center, uh Campbell, uh, thump, whatever. Yeah, whatever the one that Camden. No, yeah, I don't know what it's called now. They changed that place name about a million different times, yeah, but every East time Center, someone comes yeah. here, yeah. Mm. Everybody sometimes every time somebody comes out here for a concert, they're literally wearing the Iverson jersey. <laughs> like that <laughs> you just do that just to appease <laughs> Just do that just to appease the fan base. And it's cool. Like, I get it. Like, you're pandering and all that. But yeah, I will say, you know. if I could wear a retro Allen Iverson jersey and then subsequently get cheered by 100,000 people, I would do it at every possible opportunity. Exactly. A guy, a guy with my build can't be walking around wearing a jersey. It's not a good look. <laughs> so if I could pull that off and people are like, I'm into this, I would be in so many Sixers jerseys. It would not be. I, I'd never wear anything else. The entire wardrobe. See, now, now we know why you stick the hoodies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because we need to add some bulk. We need to make this look like a thing. And now you we know why you only live in cold area places as well. Yeah, exactly. Layer up. Feel good. There you go. All right. So there will be more Cliff in the uh, episodes ahead for sure. We'll find out what uh, Benny Souls is going to say on Thursday. That's going to uh, go viral or help the brand for the Ringers Philly special. We'll break down the film this week of this game and we'll look ahead. We'll do we'll do a lot of Eagles Cowboys talk on the uh, Thursday episode. So remember, you, you guys are leaving your reviews, your questions in the reviews. I love it. I'm checking them. We already have a bunch for this upcoming week. So continue to do that. If you don't want to leave a review and just leave a rating and give the old screen grab and just tweet at me with your question, that's fine too. We'll get to all of those this week. Eagles are. Can I yes, do one ben. last housekeeping real quick? Yeah. Got your Christmas card today. Thank you. Okay. Uh, my wife was extremely confused by it because we have not we're, we've not done much. We've Always not done much for. Christmas card <laughs> receiving in our day, so I don't really know the procedure here. Really? Yeah. Well, we're just we're that surprises me. You're young. You're young. Yeah. yeah we're married two two years ago. Uh, they it was just your kids. The, you and your wife weren't on it at all. Yeah. Is that oh. is that policy? Uh, no, I think it. Uh, I think it varies. I think there you can either. I mean, your kids have to be in it, but it, it could be your kids right. and you, or it could be uh, just your kids. I'll tell you, Mare's experience. My wife, Mare, her experience was she was like, "Oh, look, like Chad and Christina, they're photo. Oh, look, it's the 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 Moshes and the you know photo, whatever." And she goes, "I think we have somebody else's photo, like somebody else's card." And I was like, "Why?" She's like, "It's just two Indian kids," <laughs> and like and like and like, but like and also like older, right? Like everybody that we know. Is either like a newly married couple with like a baby or whatever. Yeah. They're just some like middle schoolers. And we were like, that's not our range. And then I was like, I looked at I was like, no, no, shield, 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 that's shield. And she's like, oh, okay. Like she had no idea. But it was just two elves. And we we're like, we didn't know. Where's, we didn't recognize any of the people. The back was extremely cute. It was very like, you know, the funky photos. It was great. But I just, I didn't know a policy. I thought you had to do like, the photo of the whole family and then a little kid's photo and then like the dog doing something. I never seen it just kids. Yeah, I don't know what the percentage is. I would say maybe 50-50 people go uh, either way with just good. Maybe it's a little bit higher with the uh, parents being in it too. But listen, I don't need mm-hmm. to be uh, in any photos. You know, you can find us on you on the Ringer's YouTube page. Right, <laughs> uh, yeah. You can do, do and also, people know research. what you look it look like. It's nice to see the kids grow up, right? Which makes yeah. sense. I, uh, so, one of the reasons yeah. why I ask is because I tried to failed to but tried to convince mare uh i wanted to borrow one of our friends babies we're at that age where i have a bunch of friends who are having <laughs> babies i wanted to borrow one snap a nice photo and then send a christmas card to my mom and my dad of us with a, me and mare with a newborn oh just gosh. to them and like oh format it out and like act like it was a thing and then send it and just like see if i could get them to like freak out just a little bit mare told me they would give my mom a heart attack which is fair 
Uh, but that was that was my plan. I can now say that on the pod since it's officially not happening. My mom listens. But now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn my Christmas card etiquette so I can better do this in the future. I think any plan that includes the words, I tried to borrow a baby, you probably, <laughs> I mean, I would say, yeah, I'm just with for your, a few seconds. Uh, just, you with know, your wife there. Nice and say, <laughs> don't do that. I would have wanted to know the reaction, though. I will be honest. I would have wanted to know. It would have been good. All right. That'll do it. We got to it all. Ringer's Philly special. We will talk to everyone later this week. Thank you to Benny Souls. Remember, you can listen to us on the Ringer NFL feed Monday night. Extra point taken. We will have takes on what's happening around the NFL. So check us out there. And then we'll be back on this feed later in the week. Talk to you then. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.